up our Bibles today to Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7, and I wanted to go through a couple of chapters, but um, we're not going to make it. Today, though, we have a really important lesson for us. You know, we're talking about missions work. We're talking about just the calling of God in our life. We're talking about bringing glory to God. And there's just so many things. You know, you want to exalt Him. You want to enjoy Him. You want to evangelize the whole wide world. At least you should if you love Jesus, you know. But there's something that can get in the way. Not everybody finishes the race. Not everybody lives their life with joy and full of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people get sidetracked. And one of the things, and probably the main thing, that gets in the way is this thing we call sin. It's not just a mistake. It's not just an error. Sin is die-cast rebellion against God. And anytime you do the wrong thing, or you think the wrong thing, or you say the wrong thing, or you have a negative attitude towards God, anytime you are refusing to do what he's called you to do, sins of omission or sins of commission, you are rebelling against God. And that right there, my friend, will thwart the calling and the joy and the love and the passion that belongs to all of us as Christians. And I love the Old Testament because the Old Testament gives us those visual illustrations of what sin does. And so, you know, it's not like I'm going to beat you with the Bible, you know, over your head. I think God's going to beat you with the Bible. You know, it's not that it's all he's going to be, you know, pounding us or whatever. It's just a simple truth. That's all it is. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you've got sin in your life, you've got a bad attitude towards God, whatever it is, then that will hurt you. That will harm you. That will, you know, thwart you. That will hurt those around you. That will hurt the congregation. That will hurt the nation. And that's why we have to just have a heart that says, you know what? God loves me so much. God died for me. Why would I want to live in rebellion to him? Why would I want to hold on to any sin in my life? And we see that so beautifully illustrated through this life of a man named Achan. Look what happens here. In Joshua chapter 7, it says in verse 1, that the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the cursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. You know, when you read here in Joshua, Um, things were going really good. They seemed to be going really good. The children of Israel, after entering the promised land, had just conquered the great city of Jericho. And you would figure, you know, after such a miraculous victory that was totally the Lord, you would figure that from here on out it would be smooth sailing for them. But that's not the way it works in life. It doesn't matter what the victories are behind you. You know, the battle is always in front of you. You know, that's not the way it works. As a matter of fact, Moses said something interesting in Deuteronomy 11, verse 11. It says, but the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys. A land of hills and valleys. And if I could, give me a little grace, man, to spiritualize that verse and just tell you guys, tell myself that we need to be so careful especially after the victories on the mountaintops, you know, on the, on the hilltops. 
Because the valleys, valleys often follow those victories. And we need to learn that important lesson. You see, when you study the children of Israel and their journey into the promised land, God had granted them an amazing victory in Jericho there in chapter 6. But we read in verse 1, but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan took of the accursed things. And so the anger of the Lord, think about that. The anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. One version says that he was furious with Israel. And so you see this and watch how the sin of one man affects the entire nation. Because we read in verse 2, it says, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. And so the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. And so about 3,000 men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shabarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Everything was going good. They conquered Jericho. But we're going to see later, while they were there, one of the guys, Achan, he, he sinned. He took of the accursed things or the devoted things, things that were supposed to belong to God. And so, you know, they're just kind of going through their rut and their routine. Joshua is anyways. And they say, hey, spy out the land. Good report. Come back. Two, three thousand men. They go. And those guys come back down the mountain, defeated with their tail between their legs, having no spiritual victory in their life. You know, it's amazing to me how quickly we develop routines and how rapidly we presume that everything's going to be all right. That there's no need to pray. There's no need to really, you know, seek the Lord. We did okay last time, so we'll be fine this time. Uh, We did it this way last time, and so we'll do the same thing this time. It's amazing to me how we can so quickly think so highly of ourselves and completely, tragically underestimate the enemy. And that's exactly what happened here. You know, they sent spies, came back to say, this is going to be easy. They went out on their own strength and they ran back defeated. Not only were they defeated, 36 men died. And the hearts of the whole country had then melted. You know, it's kind of funny because we see that now, after the fact, after the loss, what ends up happening is Joshua and the elders of Israel begin to pray. You know, and even though it looks good on their face, torn clothes, dust on their heads, and even though it's a long prayer that we're going to see they pray till evening, the prayer is not acceptable to God. Because look what we read in verse 6. It says, And then Joshua tore his clothes. He fell to the earth. He was on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? 
Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? You know, when you read the prayer right here, Joshua, you know, comes before the Lord. It almost sounds like the ten spies who gave a bad report 40 years earlier. And what they did was they caused the children of Israel to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. When you read this prayer right here, Joshua made the mistake of pretty much blaming God. You know, he didn't even consider the possibility that maybe, just maybe, it was his own fault. You see, when you're looking for an answer, and this is kind of a tough thing, you know, because sometimes, I think sometimes Christians in life, they're going through life defeated, losing the battle, and they don't even know it. That's the worst place to be. You're losing in life, and, you know, you're calling the things the way that God wants you to just absolutely surrender completely, 100%. No more kicking against the goads. No more, you know, casual Christianity. And, you know, sometimes people don't even realize that they're not winning. That's a bad place to be. But if you do finally come in touch with the fact that you just got spanked, you know, whatever, that you've got no strength, no power in your life, then what happens? The answer to that, what do you look? Do you look to them, blame them, or your circumstances? Is it them? Sometimes you blame God. Is it God's fault? I can't believe you brought us out here. I mean, we should have just stayed on the other side of the Jordan River. We'd been content living there. I mean, that's foolish talk. See, but we don't, a lot of times, look where we need to look. And that's in our own heart. It's in our own heart. If we would look deep within our heart and just, man, meddle with the middle, if we would really make it real within our own life to absolutely fully surrender to God, You know, to take these things that are sin, maybe we don't even realize it. You didn't pray. You didn't pray before you did that or whatever it is. Then I think we would be in much better shape. See, and that was what's going on with Joshua. He's kind of blaming God. And the Lord, he's going to, you know, clear things up. Look what he says in verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. (laughs) Why do you lie thus on your face? It's kind of funny. He doesn't even say, why do you pray? You know, it's like you're not even praying. Get up off your face, right? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it in among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed things from among you. This is a visual illustration of a spiritual reality. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says these things happen to them as an example for us. Romans says these things were written for our own admonition. That if we want to have that victory in, in life, we, we need a clean house, we need a clean hands, so we need a clean heart. We need to come to the Lord absolutely, fully surrendered to him. 
No, God tells Joshua, basically, it's not me, it's you. And notice how he says the whole nation is guilty. The children of Israel are guilty. Israel has sinned. That's why they could not stand before their enemies. He says they're doomed for destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed things from among you. And it's a simple message. You guys, and I'm not trying to be weird or anything, but all I'm saying is that you've got to look deep within your heart. Now, how are you treating, you know, your wife, your husband, your kids, strangers, you know? Do you ever have a burden for the lost? You go out there and you see them and they're lost. They don't know Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden you hear a little voice inside of you. It happens to be the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, you know, tell them about Jesus. And you don't. You know, the things that we should be doing as Christians, I believe now more than ever in my life, that we really need to be on our knees, that we really need to be in the Word, that we really need to be out there in the world winning the lost, helping the hurting. We really need to step it up. You know, we're living in the last of the last days. And if there's any sin in our life, any compromise, any complacency, um, lack of passion, whatever it is, we really need to get rid of the accursed things. For some people, maybe it's more explicit. Maybe you're here and you're in sexual sin. Between you and the Lord, it's in the dark, and there you are, and you keep doing it. I don't know, pornography. Yeah, I don't know what it is. You, know, you can go on a missions trip, come back and treat your family like dirt. That's not what God wants. You're not okay. You're not okay. You're not okay with God because you've got to love them. You've got to lead them. Husbands, right? And so what we want in our life is to really examine ourselves and to say, Lord, is there anything here that doesn't belong? God tells Joshua, listen, it's not me, it's you. And as a result of that, the whole nation has suffered. You know, I've told you guys many times that some people say about sin, ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Have you ever heard that before? (laughs) You know, and I just pray that you would know the wickedness of that concept. You know, the truth is, sin separates us from God, not just the detestable sins, but the respectable sins. All of them, the pride, the covetousness, not just for possessions, but for position. It's sick, it's wickedness. The lack of going out and sharing the gospel, so many things. We need to be careful. We mistakenly think we can hide it from God. And we're going to see later that Achan buried it under his tent. You know, and he thought no one knew. He looked east and west and buried it in the south, but he forgot to look north. If he would have, he would have noticed that God's holy eyes were always upon him. See, God sees how we need to clean house, clean hands and heart. If not, the day will come when our sin will be discovered and we'll realize not only did it break God's heart, but here's the thing, you guys, and I know a lot of you here, you know, you think, well, it's not hurting anybody. It is. Because it breaks God's heart, it breaks his heart for you, and it affects everybody around you. The day came for Achan. Look at verse 13. God says this. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes 
shall come by households, and the households which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. And so Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites. And he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. The whole process, man, bringing the whole nation, so to speak, had representatives of the different tribes and then the different clans and then different families. And then finally he puts his finger on this one man. You know, one might ask, why didn't the Lord just tell Joshua who it was? Why did he go through the whole process of choosing tribe, clan, family, and man? Well, some say it was due to the publicity that it would get. You know, that everyone needed to learn this lesson from the Lord. You know, another possible reason is that it would give Achan a chance to repent. There was a chance for him to repent while this whole process was taking place. It makes you wonder, was Achan hoping that someone else would be identified? Was he hoping that his clear-cut sin was not that big of a deal? You know, what would have happened? Think about this. What would have happened if, in order to prevent someone else from being blamed, if he would have come forward to confess his sin? What would have happened if he would have swallowed his pride, surrendered to the Spirit, and rather than getting busted by man, if he was broken by God? Maybe everything would have been different. Man, I encourage you today, and I don't know, you know, we're a smaller congregation here, man, but if there's someone here and you're in sin, don't wait until you're busted by man. Be broken before God right now. Confess your sins. Tell somebody, get right, because you cannot hide from God. You see, in looking at this, we see that God gives us time to repent. Revelation 2.21, And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. See, God gives us time, but we need to come clean. You see, this whole process went through. Achan did not fear God, neither did he care about the way it infected his family and the way it affected his country. And so the day came, the moment came, and think about this. This has been crazy. God said, it's you. It's you. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, we all sin every day. You know, we, we kind of trip. You know, we stumble, things like that. You know, I'm not talking about that. You know, our feet get dirty, you know, as we're walking through life. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those that are holding on to their sins. Those that are, you know, presumptuous in it. Those that continue I call it repeatedly and presumptuously thinking that they're all right with God and they're not. And you know you're not. God says, if that's you, then you need to come clean. Achan was that man. And he waited until he was identified. And then finally we read, look what it says in verse 19. Now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel. I make confession to him and tell me, now what you have done, do not hide it from me. 
And so Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. What we find is that as the children of Israel were going through and conquering land, the city of Jericho was the first city the children of Israel conquered. Therefore, the way it would work with God is that the first fruits belonged to God. They were commanded not to take anything. If you go back to chapter 6 real quick, notice what it says in chapter 6, verse 18. As they were about to go into the land of Jericho, he says, And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things lest you become a curse when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to who? The Lord, right? They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. You see, God made it clear. It wasn't a gray area. This is not an ambiguous command. God made it clear to the people. He made it clear to Achan. And I really believe he makes it clear to us. Because I think there's a lot of times where Christians say, well, you know what, I'm not sure about that. You know, I, I think this movie's okay for me or this, you know, whatever it is, you know, those things. And, and we try to pretend like things aren't clear. When God has already spoken to us, God has made it clear you are set apart. You're different. You belong to me. You've got a calling on your life. I want a clean heart. I want a clean mind. And, and just whatever it is, different things, different attitudes. Man, just he makes it clear. Just like he made it clear. But we pretend it's not clear. And it's clear. See, he makes them clear. He tells us what's right and wrong. But we oftentimes just ignore those commands, sweep them under the rug so we can bury them under our tent. You know, sometimes for those of you who are parents, you know how it is. You tell your kid to do something, and they pretend like they didn't hear you. And you know they heard you, right? Okay, now I know some of you parents are sinners, right? When that happens, do you get mad? <laughs> you get a little mad. You're like, you raise your voice maybe a little bit. Or, hey, you heard me. Don't pretend like you're not hearing me. Sometimes my daughter will have her earphones on, and she pretends like she can't hear me. I think she can. <laughs> but, you know, that's just us. You know, them, we're, we're, we're wicked, wretched, human pe- beings. We're just people, man. We're talking about God. God speaking to us. God commanding us how to live, what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say, where to go, where not to go. And a lot of times we just pretend like we didn't hear. And that's what Achan did. He thought he was an exception you know, one of the great sins in history, I, I think, of all of civilization, is a sin of covetousness. If you remember, it made the top ten, right? The Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. You know, and when you look at covetousness, it's something rooted in our hearts, you know, to want something that doesn't belong to us. You know, to want something that God doesn't want us to have. And You know, usually we're hungry for those things. Why? Because we're not satisfied with what? With Him. 
And if you're not satisfied with God and the relationship he's given to you, of course you're going to hunger after other things. But if God fills your heart, if God floods your heart, then everything else and anything else will be rooted in simply what is the will of God. Sometimes it's ambition. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's a possession. We need to be careful that we don't go beyond the biblical boundaries for our life. Here we see for Achan, it was finer clothes, silver and gold. It was a temptation for Achan. And it could be anything, like I mentioned earlier, possession, a position. Maybe you want someone's wealth. Maybe you want someone's wife. Covetousness has caught and killed many, 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 many men. And we have to just nip it in the bud. Colossians 3.5 says that covetousness is idolatry. You know, if you think about it, and here's the thing, you know, what really makes us rich? Some of you older people, I think you're better at this. Maybe not. I, I don't know for sure. But sometimes us younger people, we just want more things. We want more possessions. We want, you know, I don't know, the fine delicacies of life. And then you go over to a place like Cambodia and you realize that those orphans, they eat rice three times a day. Little teeny bowl of rice with just a, a wee bit of veggies every single day. Except for when the Americans come and take them out to eat. <laughs> It's crazy. We are rich in America in so many ways, and yet so often we're not content. We want more. Contentment is what makes us rich. We've got the Lord. See, Paul said, with food and clothing, with this you shall be content. You know, one of the things we saw was one of the the, the medical outreach. It was so cool. What the Lord did there, I was talking to Mordecai. He's a medic, and man, he was telling me all the different things that they treated and kids that were on the verge of pneumonia, broken bones. I think one of the kids had a worm in his ear, different things that were going on. But one of the kids, he had an infection on the bottom of his foot. And, um, and so they were cleaning it out. They would ointment it and, you know, just treating the little boy. And it was cool to see what they did, beautiful. But then it just broke my heart to see him walk away without shoes. I mean, he's got an infection in the bottom of his foot, but he's got no sandals to put on. And you go to that village out there, which is one of the poorest villages in all of Cambodia. Mordecai said it was the poorest. And they don't have, they don't have shoes. They don't have flip-flops. And they don't have the money to buy flip-flops. And they eat ant soup. And they wear the same clothes every day. And then you come to America. How many pairs of shoes do you have? How many do you need? What about eating? You know, and it just goes on and on. Now, I know that's one of the things that we have to guard about uh, against. I know they say in the book, say, man, when you come back as a missionary, you get all upset with Americans, you know. And we've got to be careful with that. But we've got to find that with the wisdom. We've got to find the balance, you know, in all these things because we are covetous. And I was talking to some of the guys that we Americans, we're so accountable. One day we will stand before God and we will give an account. Every penny, all the time, the life that we live, knowing that there are people, 90% of the world is living in poverty. Achan was a covetous man, and it brought him down. You know, for me, I want to learn how to overcome this. I think it's learning from Jesus. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I like that. 
I have learned. Sometimes it just takes lessons and you learn to be content. I want to learn from Jesus and I want to yearn for Jesus. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, when Achan went in, who knows, maybe he was a great soldier. All I know is when he saw the Babylonian garments, the 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold, you know, nothing you can do. You see it. But the problem is what? The second look. The second look is what kills you, right? And that can happen to us in so many ways. You know, we see that happens over and over again when Eve was there in the garden and the forbidden fruit was there placed before her. You know, you can't probably help, you know, from seeing it the first time. It's the second one that kills you. When David was up there and he saw Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop, you know, can't kind of help from seeing it. It's the second look that kills you. And that's what we have to be so careful of. That second look. All of a sudden it finds a place in your heart and it doesn't belong. You know, how silly, how ridiculous for anyone to think that they can hide their sin from God. Nobody can. The Bible says in Jeremiah 23:24, can anyone hide himself in secret places? So I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do I not feel heaven and earth? Ecclesiastes 12:14, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And Hebrews 4:13 says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight except you. No, I'm just joking. There's no creature hidden from his sight. He sees us, man, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And we read that verse and we read these verses and all I'm saying is that we just got to be real. I'm not talking about being a Pharisee. I'm not talking about being an external Christian. I'm talking about being a real Christian, one who loves, one who's merciful, one who's holy, one who's gracious, one who's caught up with the kingdom, one who loves his family, one who loves his friends and all the people around them. I'm talking just about being real to the core of who we are. God can help us in that because we can't think that, you know, God doesn't see. He sees and he wants to help us. God help us to deal with that sin within, you know, and God help us to deal with the sin around us. That's what Joshua has to do next. And after Achan was busted, look what we read next in verse 22. And so Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. And so the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. The Valley of Trouble. 
Sin brings trouble. And we have to deal with it within. I pray that we would. You know, to look deep within our heart, man, to ask God, you know, to really show you things and just to grow and to become that man of God, to become that woman of God. You know, we look deep within, but also when God shows us things without. Not that we go, not that we're the Holy Spirit, but the Lord shows us things in your home. There is a sin in your home. What are you going to do? Anything? There is a sin in the congregation. What are we going to do? Nothing. And God says, no, you can't. You've got to deal with it. You know, here we see they dealt with it in a very severe way. And, you know, to me, when I read this, I just think, wow, it's amazing what the sin of one man can do. You know, we already know that 36 soldiers died because of that one man. We know that a nation is in dread. We know that it would kill Achan. Here it did personally, and it even killed Achan's family. For apparently they were participants in the sin, but their father led them into it. See? Otherwise, according to Deuteronomy 24:16, they wouldn't have died. You know what? The dad brought home, hey, check out this Babylonian garment. They're like, wow, look at the colors. Is that silk? Oh, dad, is that silver? Gold? Yeah, mijo, check it out. And they're all like, hey, this is so cool. Man, imagine what we can do with this. Dad, we can buy, you know, Nintendo games and things like that. I don't know. I mean, just thinking they're feeding. Dad's leading them into sin. See? And what ends up happening? Oh, let's bury it down here. We won't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Or I'm going to spank you, you know, whatever. I don't know. Dad, don't tell anybody. Okay. And they're all part of it. Until one day, God reveals it. And, and the whole family dies. Now, I don't know where you've been up to this point in your life. And I mean, there's nothing you can do about the past. I don't want to condemn you. I don't want to beat you up about your past. But here we are today. What do we do today, right now, tonight? Are we going to wait until we get busted? Or will we humble ourselves today and be broken and surrender to God? Because there's so much at stake here, you guys. It's not just your life. If it was just you, you know what? That's between you and God. But there's other people that are being infected and being affected. It's amazing to me what the sin of one man can accomplish. Remember that guy Adam? (laughs) That kind of hurt, huh? (laughs) How about that guy David when he numbered the people? Man. Tens of thousands of people died. We think of Jonah. When he was on the ship, the whole ship almost sunk because of his sin. We think of Jeroboam. He was the first king of the northern kingdom, and they never departed from the sin of Jeroboam. I think of a guy named Joseph Smith, founded Mormonism. Charles Taze Russell, founded JW. Muhammad, Islam, the founder of Buddhism. I used to know his name, now I forgot. What's his name again? Something along. You go, to, you go to Cambodia, you see the, the temples everywhere. What the sin of one man can do. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And it's amazing what the sin of one man can accomplish. So many died. And yet, you guys, we've got to close with this. I cannot end without saying that it's amazing what the win of one man can do as well. Jesus Christ, one man. Sin entered the world, but by one man. Life, forgiveness, freedom, and the power to overcome not only the penalty of sin, but the bondage of sin and to go out and to live that life. 
what Jesus has done for us should be celebrated today, should, should be lived in today, you guys. You know, it's not pretend. It's not. It's not robots. It's not mechanics. It's not Pharisees. It is truly people living with the love and the joy and the peace and the passion that Jesus Christ provides. You know, one man can mess things so much up, so bad, but if we choose to be different, if we choose to follow Christ, then tonight we see that him, that one man, can change us to go out and to live, even in the United States of America. Like Daniel was shining in Babylon, we could shine here, and God could use this church. God could use your life. God could do a great work through us if we would fully surrender to him. What Jesus has done for us. I wanted to do the next chapter because it ends on a, on a good note. Next week we're going to see they got rid of this sin. And then they had the power to conquer AI. And I was thinking about that. I was going to save this for next week. But to me, if you separate the letters AI, what do you get? AI. Can you get it? AI. I'm an I. God can give us the power to do what? To conquer me. <laughs> conquer I and that's the biggest one huh will you be different will you choose to change let there be a radical transformation in your life that your progress would be evident to all I'm excited I'm excited about living in the days that we're living in this church that we're living in I'm excited about what God's doing in my own life and I pray that you guys are too are you Oh, Father, what a joy it is, Lord, to study your word and with what love you have, what love you have to warn us, what love you have to warn us, attitudes that are not right, anything that's not right, or blaming God or blaming our circumstances when we just need to get right, Lord. I pray, Father, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would change us and that we would see the devastation, the death of sin. And if there's anything in our life, any accursed thing that doesn't belong, that right now there would be a brokenness here, Father, and that you would change our lives. We love you. We thank you. We're so excited, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to live this life. Lord, I pray and bring us to that place of repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'll stand, close with a song. If you're here today and you need prayer, um, maybe you just want somebody to pray with, just say, you know what, I'm struggling with.